New from Kenner. Welcome to the Vintage Collection Podcast. I'm Victoria of Victoria's Cantina and the Cantina Chatter Podcast, and it is here that we celebrate the legacy of Hasbro's Star Wars, the Vintage Collection line. Welcome back to the show, folks. Today we're talking about the most glamorous topic in all of toys, distribution. Yeah, I know, but this is probably one of the most important things in toy collecting because it absolutely impacts everything. So we're going to get through it, and to help me do that, I have Evan, also known as Mile High Ground on Instagram, and one part of SWTVC, the website, the Instagrammers, and uh, now the Bracketeers, and uh, we'll talk about that today as well. So welcome, Evan. It's a pleasure to be here, Victoria. Awesome to have you. I love what you guys are doing, you know, really fighting for the vintage collection um you know now with you guys this show the this swtvc podcast um awesome show oh thank you love it love thank it thank you yeah no great great conversations and you know hasbro has long said that the vintage collection needs to be a conversation and i think that's not just with with hasbro and and us i think that's also with us and you know kind of getting together and talking about what's important to the collecting community at large and presenting those um details and that information to hasbro Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And uh, you guys are doing a fantastic job at that. And we're going to talk about the brackets a little bit later, uh, the votes that you guys have been conducting um, on Instagram. So really, really looking forward to all that. Sweet. Yeah, I'm excited to chat about it. I know uh, it's been a lot of work, uh, a lot of time. Myself and my four other uh, SWTVC guys, we have been pumping out a lot of a lot of overtime in order to keep everything tabulated <laughs> and uh, moderate comments and make sure we're uh, getting everything accurately figured out. Nice. So well, we we all really appreciate it. I know a lot of work goes into that and, you know, counting, you know, these numbers and telling them and that, that you know, that's work. So yeah, <laughs> on behalf of uh, myself, <laughs> thank you for for all of the all the hard work. My pleasure. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Evan, about your uh, your collecting, how that got started and, and how uh, why the vintage collection is so important to you. Sure, sure. So I uh, so I'm 30 now. Uh, you know, I'm on that cusp of am I uh, am I one of those youths or am I one of those old crotchety timers? It's like I only want Cantina aliens. Uh I'm in the I'm in the middle where I grew up with the prequels. I, you know, I had Power of the Force figures in 95 when they came out. My dad, you know, took me out of school to, you know, go buy toys. He was a big old nerd uh, and he likes to really nurture that as well. Uh, and he would, you know, stock up on action figures and just give them to me if I was doing well in school and all the time. So I built up a nice little collection, uh, not to toot my own horn at being a great little five year old prodigy. Uh, the uh, Phantom Menace stuff, you know came around and that really just kind of sent me over the edge of really teetering into this uh, lifestyle, this obsession, you know, 
yeah. could I say, was I really collecting when I was five, six, seven, eight? Uh, I was just a kid <laughs> enjoying toys. But then as I you know, got older, it was something that really meant a lot to me. Uh, my dad passed when I was 10. So I, you know, uh, really uh, my mom took up the mantle and that was how we really bonded a lot as I was, you know, growing up and she was a single mom. You know, we'd go out to the Midnight Madnesses stuff. And I remember Attack of the Clones uh, and Revenge of the Sith in 2002 uh-huh. and 2005, respectively going to Walmart at midnight and mom and I just loading up a cart and, you know, me being totally spoiled and enabled in my, my uh, addiction here, but, you know, really just delving into the world of toys and uh, just really loving them, loving posing them, loving playing with them. Uh, I, you know, as I grew up, I kind of fell away from it after I think 2006, I went out when I went off to high school, uh, it was one of those like, oh, toys are for nerds. And, uh, you know, I got to, I had to downplay how much I loved Star Wars and all that. Granted, I figured out pretty soon it was easy to be honest with you, like who you are and still have friends and whatnot, uh, Uh because the world's not a uh, John Hughes movie, uh, movie, Um, (laughs) thankfully. Uh, But yeah, I I dipped out of collecting from 2006 to about 2015 when The Force Awakens ramp up was coming and it just, the Force did awaken. My my, my heart just kick-started and I was back in all over again. So regardless of everything that's gone on with like the Disney movies and whatnot, I'm so thankful that I got back into it. Of course, I missed the golden years of the vintage collection, uh, of the legacy collection, anniversary collection, you know, all these grail figures that are just incredible now. But I've I've done a good job of... uh, finding decent deals and filling out my back catalog. I'm only missing, I think, 30 figures from the first uh, vintage collection run uh, from VC-01 to VC-115. Uh, so that, that that took a lot of time, but I've been having a lot of fun with it. And three and three quarter inch nice. is just my scale of choice. I do. Ha- I am a Black Series completionist, like Boo Hiss, I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I am too, yeah. so it, it, no boo hisses for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know just whenever I mention that around like Tyler or, um, you know, uh, Carlo, <laughs> they're always just like, get out, you're fired. Uh, but yeah, and I, you know, I, I collect pretty much anything I get my hands on. I've even got all the Galaxy of Adventures and Mission Fleet. But Black Series and all nice. that, I, I, as much as I've enjoyed them, I, I don't get the same nostalgia that I get from the three and three quarter inch anytime i crack open a new you know tvc figure even when i cracked open a 5 poa figure from uh you know force awakens or any of the movie lines uh from then uh it just really is one of those things that's kind of taken it it, it's kind of why i do it is just to keep that uh inner child alive or at least you know satiated every (laughs) once in a while so that it doesn't you know come out in other ways that are you know even more financially destructive uh but yeah i i just I just absolutely love Star Wars. I love collecting Star Wars. And as of late, you know, it's been very frustrating to be a three and three quarter inch uh, collector. And that's sure. why I've, I've I've really just been enjoying uh, being able to be a part of this community uh, over the past like year and growing with all this stuff with SWTVC and being able to get to sit here and chat with folks or like I'm doing right now, chat at folks uh, like you, Victoria, about, you know, these <laughs> very people I hold in very high esteem in the community like yourself and Tim from Bosk's Bounty and Jason from Yak Face and John Miko from the Facebook group. It's I never thought I'd, you know, be able to just casually have chats with any of you and be able to have any kind of relevance or have any kind of uh, voice in my collecting, uh, in my hobby. And it's really nice to be able to put my passions and energy somewhere that I feel is productive. So at the end of the day, even if Hasbro says, hey, no more vintage collection, we're done, uh, bye bye I will 
still feel good about putting in the effort to do everything I, I could and show just how passionate I was and how passionate I am about this hobby. So anyway, sorry yeah, for just I like running out of breath on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No, I love it. And yeah, no, we're, we're happy to have you, um, you know, in this fight as well for, for more product, for more world building. Cause I think that's a big part of it too. That's kind of gotten lost yeah. um, in the last couple of years. Um, but you brought you brought up some really good points. Like you know, you said you love Star Wars, and I think that's 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 what it's all about, right? It's loving you know Star Wars, and it doesn't matter if you prefer certain films or certain characters, or if you love all of it. I mean, I kind of love all of it. Oh yeah, um, yeah, it's all Star Wars. So I mean, that's it's it's you know, it's not here to um, you know work miracles for our lives, I guess, but it's just kind of here to make us a little bit happier, right? It's here for our enjoyment, and same with the toys. Um, you know, they're toys, right? So yeah. Uh, for That's me, for the me, they're a distraction, and yeah, yeah, they're a distraction for me. You know, they're something that I can, you know, become passionate about outside of everything going on in my regular daily life. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that that's good stuff, and you also said that collecting, um, you know, is hard right now, and then that's true. I mean, that's that's kind of why we're going to talk about distribution because, um, you know, this has been a really difficult thing lately i mean i know that distribution is always always something that collectors gripe about it's always something that doesn't matter what you collect you can collect you know the most well-stocked toy line in a store yeah um people get upset when they can't find the latest figure they they get upset when um you know somebody beats them to the toy aisle. i mean that i guess that's just part of it but i i think in particular right now we're going through a very unusual and particularly frustrating period uh, with distribution. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen it like this before, to be honest. And I've seen some pretty rough spells throughout my time collecting. Uh, in 2003, at the beginning of that year, stores had just been so saturated with Saga that they weren't stocking that those initial waves of 2003. It was just, it was super dry. At that point, it was like, that was the driest time I had seen, you know, in the modern era. Yeah. Uh, and then we had another similar spell, like I think after the vintage collection ended, going into Black Series three and three quarter. Um, you know, so a lot of those figures were really difficult to find, and th- there have been other moments as well. But right now, it's just, it, it, it's just tough. It's it, and it's really sad too to go into any. You know, I can go to my local Target and or Walmart. I'm not going to find a single TVC figure. I know no. I'm not. Uh, and if I am, it's probably going to be a repack figure like the Anakin wave. Yeah. <laughs> figures. Oh, good lord. <laughs> But yeah, you you mentioned you mentioned something earlier uh, before we started rolling about how the vintage collection, you know, using Hasbro's own kind of words and methodology, where the vintage collection uh, is a discussion, you know, between the fans and Hasbro and what we want to see and what we don't want to see, and it, it it's times like you know this peasant Anakin repack wave when things like that happen and you know as overshipped as it's been, uh, the character selection in there, the figures being as in some cases as poor as they are it's kind of like i don't think a conversation ever took place with any of us or anyone who is even the slightest bit uh passionate about the vintage collection Mm -hmm. because those that was just an incredibly strange strange wave uh and side note if any collectors in the denver community are trying to find the new fet wave uh, you probably won't because the distribution center for Target uh, in Colorado only got the uh, Queen Amidala uh, Peasant Anakin repack wave uh, when they placed their reorders on the DPCI for that. So those are the only figures hitting pegs in Denver. The FET wave is not, at least not for a while. Yeah, it's 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 perplexing. Like I, I went to my local Target last week and... 
that's what they had. It was the first time I'd seen the repack wave like locally and um, that's all they had. And that's cool. I mean, I like seeing the vintage collection on, on the on the pegs. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it does it does matter, but, you know, it's, there's vintage collection on the pegs. So that in and of itself is kind of cool. It's but, a small victory. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I would have preferred if it were the new wave, you know, I would have preferred seeing Boba Fett instead of a battle droid. Or I would have preferred seeing, you know, Grogu over... Uh, Anakin in his peasant disguise that he wore for one minute of Ugh. Attack of the Clones. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. And I think a lot of people will tell you, particularly those maybe that don't collect Star Wars, you know, if, if they see you talking about these sorts of things on, on Twitter or wherever, they'll say, well, you know, that's your store. Maybe another store has stuff. And it's like, no. No. This is, this is a nope. nationwide situation um distribution is in really really rough shape right now yeah it's you know there's occasionally little lights at the end of the tunnel uh but i sit there and you know on the uh, fan first friday i think when they mentioned that they think patrick had said something about how he was they were surprised they were just as surprised as we were that the repack waves have been steadily (laughs) showing up at retail and it's like well it's been two and a half years of these repack waves are you and they've all hit uh, maybe put a different product number on it and they're like and we're gonna put a different SKU number on it it's like could have done that from the beginning uh, yeah exactly. you know and I, I get why not because I do you know having having vintage collection figures on the peg is important uh, but it is also important that it's not just boring ones like for example it should be cases should, or stores should be getting more than just one case and you know more of just you know, they should have multiple cases and maybe even multiple waves. Uh, it's It gets boring seeing the same four pig, uh, figures over and over and over again if you're lucky enough to even see them at all. Right, right. Yeah, there's there's definitely some uh, information that we're not privy to <laughs> regarding these repack waves. And definitely. I know we've talked about it here on the show before. It's just it's perplexing because there are, you know, some very clear choices that a lot of people would love to see come back. And you know, I know a lot of it seems to be like, you know, they're, they're trying to focus on main characters in these repacks. And but the thing is that there are main character versions of some of these characters that are preferable for a lot of people. And you can you can yeah. see that on eBay, just looking at secondary prices. You can, you know, see what uh, collectors are discussing and it's it just perplexing. So I um I don't understand it. I've kind of given up trying to understand how they make these choices. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always the same answer from Hasbro, you know, regarding that, that, you know, they just felt confident that those were the right ones, essentially. Yeah. So. And it's, it's fascinating seeing, you know, the figures that this wave especially is like, these weren't particularly hot sellers the first time around either. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag. I totally, I totally understand. I actually do support the idea of these repack waves. I, I quite like them, especially as I'm someone who missed out on uh many figures as they were going so i don't have openers of a lot of the original uh tvc1 run uh so it's nice to be able to get updated versions of some of those figures uh it's just the choices are perplexing but i definitely understand why they do it you know because it saves a bunch of money uh you know tooling wise for the sculpts uh but i guess where the frustration comes is the money that they're saving are they really putting it back into the vintage collection uh you know is that really helping Mm -hmm. or is it just more stuff clogging up more desirable things from hitting the pegs, for example, like the repack yeah. wave and the boba wave. Yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, yeah, it's um, I, I also don't mind the refresh wave so much, um, but I, I would just like them to be smart repacks. You know, I'd like them to make sense. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, these weren't particularly hot sellers when they first came out. 
Um, none of them were were hard to find. Some of them kind of sat on the pegs for some time. Uh, and, and some of them came out towards the very end of the vintage collection. So, I mean, you know, if you're trying to bring back the vintage collection, you would think you'd want to bring back items that came from earlier on that were more sought after. You know, where's Captain Fordo? Where's, yeah, the um, ones that are selling for you know, $200 right now. Yeah, Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's definitely some things there that that you could you can consider main characters as well that are preferable to these particular releases. You know, Luke in his his uh, Death Star run outfit. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's quite a bit. Um, but yeah, so the shelves are just super super dry. Uh, like like we were saying, everywhere you go. Yeah. Um, and. I wanted to get into how how distribution often works because uh, a lot of people assume that it's it's strictly the manufacturers like you know they'll blame Hasbro if nothing's on the pegs or they'll blame you know Mattel or X Y and Z company um, and then some people you know will say well no you know it's the re- retailer's responsibility to, to keep their shelves stocked so I wanted to talk to you about you know our our mutual understanding of how this whole thing works because. As I understand it, it, it's kind of a relationship between the two, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll preface by saying I'm not an expert on this at all, and I have very little, you know, actual uh, actionable insider info on it. Um, but yeah, just how, how it works, how I understand it is, you know, we've heard from people such as Eddie from Dorkside Toys uh, just recently, you know, uh, on a, I think it was the Discord server that that interview was done. Yes. Um and talking about, you know, the e-tailers, uh, Dorkside, Big Bad Toy Store, Entertainment Earth, all those. Uh, no, I'm not sponsored by any of them, just in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> but uh, if they'd like to sponsor me, I'll put that out there as a please do. Um, the uh, Sorry, that was too shameless. The uh, e-tailers, though, aren't quite getting, you know, their demand, their, their orders filled even. Where, you know, they're the ones that are specialty... Uh, they're specialized to get product to fans, to peop- the, the exact demographic that is collecting. They're our lifeboat. They provide for us. I just got my my mm-hmm. Boba Fett wave uh, from Dorkside, and it's going to be a long time before I, if I ever see it in person at a store. Um, but the problem uh-huh. is, is these numbers on the e-tailers, they're so, they're so narrow to what Hasbro's looking for. It's Hasbro doesn't really look at them for data. Not only are Hasbro underserving the demand of the customers, but they're underserving the demand uh, for these retailers online. And they really only look at Target and Walmart as like the big box stores as their real metric of the viability and success of any kind of product, which is frustrating because the big box stores, toys are not their priority. They don't care. That's not their business. Uh, It's only a small, small part of their business. And so they don't know much about it. So even if even if Hasbro's getting, say, an executive somewhere or someone that makes a purchasing decision for uh, corporate at Walmart or at Target or Walmart or whatever, that they're like, yeah, you're going to want to buy this exclusive product or, you know, or here's the upcoming offerings for this. So be sure you put your orders in or whatever. Stores yeah. might, you know, they don't they don't know individual stores also won't put in the right orders especially if it's been a, sh- a peg that's been empty for uh in in my case at the target nearest me they haven't had vintage collection since uh the rise of skywalker came out and oh, man. yeah and i asked him about it you know just a couple weeks ago and the the toy department manager that i worked or that i worked with her a little bit when trying to figure it out she's like oh 
well, yeah, we haven't had it. it it's, it's probably been discontinued then. And I was like, nope, <laughs> it definitely hasn't. There's a new hot wave, like, you know, of, of stuff that people are really wanting. And, you know, would it be possible to order, you know, if you guys could order it for your store? And they're like, well, it wasn't on automatic, you know, reorder. And it's kind of random which cases we get since they're all under these same numbers. Uh, mm. And that's frustrating. So it's like, even if they order a number, you don't know. It's it, it's not, it's likely not going to be the new case. Uh, so right. that's kind of been, yeah, I'd like new numbers for every waves, but that's me personally. But yeah, it's it's just yeah. weird when retailers, you know, even at, at the at the lowest level, they they get frustrated with us as we're frustrated with the higher up decisions of, you know, we can't find these things. We can't get these things. It's very hard. We would buy them from Target or Walmart if they were reliable and steady sellers of them. However, we have to go elsewhere to do it. And then that shows up as to Target and Walmart that these things don't sell as well as they could because the yeah. crowd is buying it from elsewhere. We would buy it, but we can't. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And that's interesting um, that they gave you that information because as I understand it, um, these uh, like stuff like the Vintage Collection or any other toy line that Target or Walmart carries should have some sort of automatic reorder in place once that stock reaches zero. Yep. Um, and I think that's how it generally works. So I don't I don't know why it would be different for, for that store. But I mean, if they haven't gotten anything since the Rise of Skywalker, then it sounds like there's obviously a problem there. Uh, yeah. And they do have a peg for it, too, with the updated uh, DPCI number. And huh. yeah, and there was just no pending orders for them. And then there are stores who do have it on automatic reorder, but their orders don't get fulfilled. Yeah. So so that's interesting. Um, Eddie did did say that, you know, that Hasbro hasn't been filling all of their orders and so, you know, on in one respect, you kind of think, is it like a supply issue? Are they are there manufacturers just not able to, you know, maintain whatever steady supply stream they're looking for? Or is Hasbro simply not ordering uh, the vintage collection from them in in satisfactory numbers? Yeah, you know, I'd want to I'm going to lean more towards the the latter of not doing it in satisfactory numbers. And I, I know, you know, I think they said recently in a in a live stream or something where you know why are why are we not seeing more product for the vintage collection or whatever and i think the, the hasbro answer was well we don't want to flood the market and i know that i i had a big laugh about that with someone it was just like flood the market with what there's no product to flood it with <laughs> like it's like throwing a couple it's like throwing a bucket of water on the desert it, it'd be fine like please make more <laughs> So. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, and and I wonder, too, if, if, you know, we talked to some of these folks from Hasbro during Q&As and, and stuff. And yeah, are, and they um, I, I wonder if they're not privy themselves to like the full story of, you know, what's getting ordered, how much is actually shipping, because oftentimes what what they tell us with regards to distribution is quite different from what we actually see. Yeah. So I wonder if there's some disconnect there between what's actually occurring and what they might believe is happening. And then there's so many unknowns in there that that we can speculate about, that we can wonder about yeah. or assume. And, you know, for me, I, I have to imagine that there's also a couple hurdles on the corporate level when it comes to, you know, dealing with the license itself, dealing with Disney, dealing with Lucasfilm, all the hands that yeah. have to touch all of this. It gets to the point where, you know, is the, you know, if Target is not the end user, but Target is the place that needs to be ordering vintage collection. But if everyone above them just keeps not really having any idea or passion or being not on the same page about what anybody wants, it's just right. a confusing mess for everyone at every level and incredibly frustrating for us at the collecting level. 
Yeah, no, totally. Uh, and then if you want to go extra conspiracy with it, we can talk about is, is Hasbro trying to purposefully make these limited so that they can hype them up and get more people on board to buy their products, yeah. which I know a lot of people are talking about that with NECA and their TMNT, you know, Ninja Turtle stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's pretty good evidence to suggest that that's probably what's been occurring to some extent with them. Yeah. So I don't know if, if that's kind of rubbed off in some of these bigger companies, but I mean, like you said, we, we just don't know. There's so many possibilities yeah, here. It's it's fun and frustrating to speculate. And, uh, you know, we'll never really know the answer to so many of these questions. So the best we can do is just kind of keep leaning on whatever, you know, front facing places we can, be it trying to engage with anyone that works at Hasbro, trying to engage you know, with Hasbro, their PR company, trying to engage with retailers, be it, you know, st- at the store management level or trying to get through to anybody at corporate and also talking yeah. with folks in the community as well to try to be like, hey, let's, you know, social media is noise. We all know social media is just lots and lots of unfocused, like yes. noise and rage and complaining, whining and also yeah. fun stuff. But it's nice to be able to be able to sit and talk with other people such as yourself and be like, okay, how can we at least kind of get loosely on the same page so that, you know, if Hasbro were to take notice of what we're talking about, it makes a little bit of sense and it's not just whiny complaining. It's something yeah. constructive. Yeah, no, totally. You know, we can speculate all day. We can talk about, you know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, but you know, we want to fix the problem. That's that's the main thing here. That's what we really want should be discussing is, you know, how can we go about, you know, persuading them to look into this and, you know, come up with some solution that, you know, is just is going to benefit everybody. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the stores, obviously, maybe they're not ordering enough, but also Hasbro might not be fulfilling what they are ordering. And then, you know, how, how do we fix this? I mean, I've felt for a long time that the fan channels have largely been a solution to this. Yeah. I felt that Hasbro Pulse could potentially be a solution to this. But the way Pulse has been managed for like the past year with product constantly sold out, mm. um, you know, now they're, you know, they're asking folks to shell out $50 to renew their subscriptions. And it's like for what? Um, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to it if I knew that if I realized, hey, I want to get uh, an extra grief cargo vintage collection figure. I could, you could just hop on Pulse and I could order one. Yeah. Uh, or if I could order a solid case directly from Pulse, that would be freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Well, <laughs> no, I totally get you. I know if, if it's helpful, let's see if I actually wrote it down somewhere. Uh Hasbro Pulse on uh, January 31st, 21. I was clearly bored at uh, five in the morning. I went through, you know, <laughs> it's a uh, total of uh, vintage collection items offered on Hasbro Pulse was 63 items. Uh, sold out, 42 of those 63 items. Wow. Uh, of, yeah, and then 14 were in stock and then seven items were pre-orderable, uh, but there were eight pre-orders that the pre-order had sold out on. Uh, so 33% of the list of product was available. Uh, but then, you know, kind of compare that to the Black Series, which on that same day, at the same exact time, you know, they had 128 six-inch items available. Sold out, 63. In stock, 64. Uh, and one pre-order available. So 51% of their list of product was available. Huh. Uh, so not only was it over double the amount of product, but also almost double the amount available. That's interesting. And uh, I know Eddie in that um, 
conversation said that, uh, you know, initially on, on their end, Vintage Collection did sell outsell Black Series, and now it's, it's the opposite. I've heard that from Entertainment Earth. I've heard that from other other folks as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, obviously it will sell more if you keep it in stock, right? I yeah. mean, that's kind of going to be the case, right? If you're making more of it, retailers can access it, then, yeah, yeah it's, it's going to outsell anything else that you're making in, in more limited numbers. Totally. And it's okay to have slower sellers, too. And I think that's where Hasbro gets a little scared. Uh, but I, you know, look at even the Rise of Skywalker, uh, Force Fri- Triple Force Friday wave uh, with Ray, yeah. Zori Bliss, the Knight of Ren, uh, X Wing Luke, Poe Dameron, and I forgot uh, Sith Jet Trooper. Those six. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. Opinions on the movie aside, uh, it, those, you know, they didn't peg warm necessarily when, pe- you know, people like to overstate it, like, no one wants the sequel garbage. It'll just all sit there and, oh, I saw yeah. Ray peg warming for blah, blah, blah. And it was like, no. They just kind of, and I saw a ton of Luke's sitting around because we had just gotten him too in the three pack. Uh, but right. they they were slower sellers. But dear Lord, look at all those figures now on the secondary market. Like you know, even Ray, who everybody claims to hate, is still like you yeah. know seventy five to a hundred dollar figure. It's uh, crazy. And that's only what a year and a half after you know I, I found one. Of, I found one like four months ago at a Best Buy under a shelf and got it for twelve bucks and was like, yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really subscribe to the lo- that logic that in the vintage collection sequel figures don't sell. No. I mean, it, obviously they did. Yeah. Um, and like you're saying, there's plenty of evidence to, yeah. to show that they did. And um, like Crate Luke. And around here, yeah, 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 exactly. Around here, they didn't even um, really saturate at all. Yeah. Like I, I might have found a couple on, on the pegs here and there, but no, they, they sold they sold right away. I mean, they were all brand new, um, new figures yep. and... Uh, you know, they weren't really, they didn't really feel demand for them. I don't feel largely, no. um, I know some of them were available through pulse for a little bit, but, um, you know, going back to pulse, I kind of feel like that's, that's another thing they could maybe look at doing. If they're going to charge you $50 a year to do it, maybe they can make older figures, uh, available for, you know, some predetermined amount of time, a year, two years beyond the point at which retailers can sell them. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you need to go back and get something, you know, that's that's a huge benefit right there to a service like Hasbro Pulse. Oh, absolutely. And and things like core characters that they talk about should also always be available on Hasbro Pulse. You should always be able yeah. to go and get a Mandalorian. You should always be able to go and find a Grogu. You should always be able to find a Luke Skywalker, a Rey, a Han Solo, a Vader. And, right. it, it, you know, we talked. I talked about this with a couple of the guys, I think, um, uh, at the time of recording this earlier today, but on, on our show, um, you know, it's sad you, where you, you and I, as we, you know, were younger and I, I can speak from my own experience, of course, of, uh, watching star Wars as a kid, getting enamored. And then the figures were part of that experience. You'd go see, you know, I went and saw Phantom Menace in the movie theater. And then afterwards, my dad took me to the toy store and we bought a bunch of figures. I got an Obi-Wan and a Darth Maul. And it was the coolest day ever because I just saw seen them and there were so many to choose from. Whereas, yeah. you know, if you're sitting here in modern day and say if, you know, you're you're a kid and you get excited about the Mandalorian and then, you know, your your parents are like, let's go to the store. You're not going to find a single thing. There's no toy for you to buy. There's no action figure. Right. So Yeah, it's. It's sad. Um, you're right. There's so much nostalgia, like thinking back to those older days. Like I, I remember, you know, 2002, like when my parents had to persuade the other to 
take me to Midnight Man <laughs> so that I could get some figures in, yep. in 2002 for, for Attack of the Clones. And yeah, it's like you can't even do that now because even if they did have like a midnight event, I mean, they're probably not going to have very much. And if they did, it would, you know, be gone pretty quickly. Yeah. Whereas back then, you know, they had plenty to go around. Plenty, plenty to go around. Yeah. But tri- um, Triple Force Friday, I was the third person in line at a Walmart that got in the little tiny half pallet or the half shipper of product that had one wave uh, or one set of TVC and one set uh, or one case of the white box first edition black series figures and then the Galaxy of Adventures figures. Uh, Oh, and the gold figures. And being the third person in line, I only got two of the vintage collection figures that were left and, you know, had to go hunting around later. And I grabbed a couple of the Galaxy of Adventures figures, but then I saw uh, a parent a uh, father and son coming down the aisle and there was nothing left because it had been picked over by the rest of us, you know, grown adult idiots. <laughs> and right. so I just, you know, I ended up just giving them the Galaxy of Adventures figures because I didn't need them and I could get them later. Uh, but I wanted them to yeah. be able to at least have that experience together. Like walking away empty handed from that is is just sad for me to conceptualize. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And I commend you for doing that. I've I've done that as well. And um, you know, I think that's important because, you know, th- these kids are going to be the ones buying these things in the future. And if they're not having a good experience now, why are they going to want to collect, you know, 10, 15 years from now? Yeah. Why would you want to collect something that, you know, mom or dad had to go drive around for four hours to 27 different stores to get told go away by employees? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah not fun. <laughs> No. And I think that's one of the sad things, too, about lines like the Vintage Collection and, and even the Black Series is, you know, they're they've kind of revamped them so much to at this point that they're targeting them specifically to adults. And they even ad- admit as much, you know, when you listen to things like their, um, you know, annual sales reports, things like that, you know, uh, quotes from uh, their CEO. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of acknowledging now that they're, you know, it's mostly adults that are buying these and. Um, I just think that's that's too bad because if you're solely focus, focusing these lines on on adults, then you know you're not going to you're marketing other things like mission series to kids that they might not necessarily be interested in. Yeah. Like I know I wouldn't have been interested in those. I'm just saying. Yeah. But um, like you know they're not ac- having the same access to you know some of these toys that we you know really love. So uh, yeah, I just I just feel like that's going to affect you know, how, how long this hobby can actually, you know, maintain itself going forward. Yeah, it, it, you know, it should be about not only trying to entice the, you know, mythical kid market, the new customers, and trying to entice that, but you need to have product available for that. But you also need to have product available to keep the old customers and the loyal customers happy. Yep. So it's kind of like, you know, no one's really getting represented right. No one's really getting the things they're asking for necessarily, uh-huh. uh, at least not in the volumes we're asking for. And, you know, we get table scraps and we're very thankful for it now. Cause I think we get so few figures a year. We only got seven, I think new sculpts out of 30 some figures released in three and three quarter inch, uh, in 2020. And I think we're only on track for eight for this year. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. I mean, because we, we obviously know, you know, from conversations that we've had and, you know, things we've seen online that, you know, there's 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 still a large market for the vintage collection. I mean, even things like the petition. I mean, that's yeah. I, I don't remember exactly how many signatures it had the last time I looked at it. But I mean, that's it's like almost it's in between eight and nine, uh, healthily in between eight and nine thousand, uh, I believe. Okay. And that's huge. Yeah. 
it's huge and that's just a fraction of of like the buying vintage collection public i mean probably you might you know maybe we could speculate that a good portion of those uh collectors aren't even aware of the petition yeah and you know they just they just you know get what they get from hasbro you know that's what they learn about or maybe some fan sites and you know they don't deal with social media and they just go straight to um you know that's that's how they go off of so i mean it's still a really good sampling because it's it's a lot of people and i think that should really be informative to uh hasbro and their decision making process and how they plan out these um you know future future uh years worth of uh vintage collection lines oh definitely you know even the success of the HasLab, uh, the Razor Crest, with uh, how many how many did they sell? Twenty six thousand units, but they had only expected to maybe putter out at about seven thousand or something, eight thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they were taken aback by the absolute success and demand for the thing. And it, we're all just sitting here looking at each other like, "Duh, this is what we've been saying the whole time, guys." Uh, but you know, not not to not to be not to besmirch them or you know uh, anything. Just kind of one of those like, "Come on, it was right. obvious. It's right there." Yeah, no, that's the best metric of all is is actual sales mm-hmm. is, you know, if that's, you know, I mean, you're talking about a $300 vehicle, if that many people are buying it. I mean, how, how much can they spend on, you know, $13 figures if you put out, you know, like 50 of them a year? Yeah, you, you know, know? Yeah. I mean, that's. A lot of the folks in the collecting community, not everyone, I mean, I, I certainly don't, but a lot of folks do have the disposable income set aside to spend on this stuff and when there's not enough product for the budget that they've set aside they either start losing interest in buying other things or they you know uh reorganize their priorities and do more important things like fix their house or whatever yeah uh but yeah i don't know i i I, it's a tough one yeah i know that's true uh and i i talked about that a little bit i touched on it in uh, my last youtube video which was kind of you know talking a little bit about you know mattel and kind of got slightly into like distribution between them and Hasbro and you know that was part of it is if people don't have anything to buy if they if they can't if there's nothing to sustain their their interest and their hobby then you know they're going to go elsewhere they're going to find other things to do they're going to find other things to buy yeah um so yeah that's that's serious that's serious that's a real concern I mean that's something that could absolutely happen Oh, totally. And, you know, you get people saying, I'm out. I'll uh, I'll get Sideshow instead. I'll get the Hot Toys. I'll, you know, or, you know, Funko Pop, where the Funko Pop is just, I know they're cheaper to make. They're not complicated action figures and, you know, they're whatever. I don't love them, but I have a bunch for no reason. But the, the, <laughs> the character selection, like whoever's in charge of the line there, they they know that it's about, you know, volume. Not every pop is going to sell. Not every character is going to be super popular, but dang, man, you can, you know, if you have a wide, diverse line, there's going to be at least, at least everyone who is inclined to collect will find at least one to five things, one to five pops that they're just going to be like, okay, I have to have that because that's a character that's not represented in any other figure form. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, I kind of want to go back to what you mentioned about you know, the Mandalorian, you know, it's just this huge, like overwhelmingly, you know, culturally significant phenomenon. And oh, yeah. it's it's just not represented in the toy aisles. No. Um, I feel personally like the Revenge of the Sith toy line was like the absolute best like movie toy line that Hasbro has done for Star Wars because it didn't run for more than that year, 2005. It had a sneak peek wave of figures, it had a sneak peek vehicle, and the whole line was... 
Uh, it was filled with characters of all kinds. You, you had re- yeah. repeats of some of your main characters, but then you also had some troop builders. You had repaints of those troop builders. Variants. You had, um, and, yeah. Variants, exactly. Like Anakin, or the Chancellor with a blue lightsaber and yep. then a, a red lightsaber. Oh, yeah. Um, you had Anakin with brown eyes and with Sith eyes. And, you know, there was just plenty in there. They even made protective clamshell cases yeah. for the first time. I, I have that time. an entire, like, I have like three entire moving boxes full of those Revenge of the Sith uh, card, like uh, uh, shells for the for the figures, for the carded figures. <laughs> and I still to this day <clears throat> have been too lazy to put them on the figures that I have carded. Uh, but I, I loved yeah. that. It's you know we the third party stuff, and that touches on too of not of needs not being met. <clears throat> Sorry, pardon me. Needs not, needs not being met. Of you know the there's so many third parties that are making figure protectors. So many third parties that are making um, you know uh, cloaks and accessories and dioramas. Like with everybody 3D printing all their stuff because Hasbro's yeah. not making anything, so everybody's making their own stuff and making a lot of money. Uh, on things that are actually still pretty pretty low investment uh, on these right. accessories, so I, yeah, I don't know. I, again, I claim to know nothing. <laughs> I I just sit here and, and look and it's like, oh man, if uh, I could get on Hasbro Pulse and buy a pack of five pretty decent Jedi robes for my figures, sure, I would absolutely do that. Yeah, there's there's definitely an untapped mar- market there. I feel like uh, with the with clamshell cases with. Uh, accessories that if Hasbro really wanted to capitalize on it, you know, there's definitely room for them to do that. And they, I think they started with display bases that they're making now for six inch figures, just generic six inch stands. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's smart. I mean, that's, that's something that you can access, you know, through other means, third parties that are doing it. But, you know, I mean, I'm anxious to check these out once they start shipping. Cause I, I did pre-order some of their stands just to see how they, how they hold up compared to other ones that I have. But, yeah, that Revenge of the Sith line was stellar, and like the figures had, a lot of them did have action features, but they were just so well integrated into the sculpts that you didn't see them most of the time. Yeah, like I feel, I feel like if Mandalorian had a line like that, like just just like the Revenge of the Sith line was, that you know that could like kind of, you know, open up like the floodgates to new people coming in, to kids coming in. You know, you'd make a lot of collectors happy because you know they'd have all these these characters and these figures and i'm sure you'd have your vehicles and you know maybe a nice little play set or something that you could you know make based around the mandalorian there's certainly enough content within the mandalorian to support something like that oh totally and i I feel like that's what they're trying to attempt to do with mission fleet you know with the the vehicles and whatnot and the different price points but the struggle with that is you know with who are you targeting with that the kids i mean they might not be into that stuff and at the same time too it's it's such a it's a catch-all line like the vintage collection kind of is they can't focus it all on one thing so you know you do have you still have to wait for things like uh, other figures to come out so even if you get a mandalorian and speeder bike with the child you have to wait a bit to get uh cara dune and the stormtrooper you have to wait a bit to get ig11 and and quill and a blurg and granted not as long as tvc collectors have to wait but you know yeah uh it's just very it's frustrating as a tvc collector and even a six inch collector in a lot of ways too where it's like that was fast that you guys turned that out um but that you know why couldn't you just do this at a scale that already existed it's a little bewildering i guess the biggest thing for me is like you know like you're saying they're, they're it's a new scale it's something different but you you have this other heritage scale that's been around for you know over four decades and you could you could significantly build on that by 
by investing in in a new line yeah um like it i don't know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to try and do that with a new scale but that's what that's what it is yeah it's you know i i know i do need to track down a mission fleet blurg just so i can at least have a blurg to go near my (laughs) razor crest when it comes out so Uh, we'll see we'll see so uh let's talk about some brackets what do you say for sure that sounds good to me Cool. So over on uh, SWTVC on Instagram, you guys have been working on these um, brackets, pitting uh, different characters against other characters and trying to determine, um, you know, what characters uh, fans want to really want to see. So tell us a little bit about these brackets, how the idea came about and uh, and how the whole system works. For sure. For sure. Um, you know, we started the SWTVC uh, Instagram, actually, I think, what, August or July already. Sorry, my voice cracked. Uh it feels like it was not that long ago, but in the scheme of things, we're the new kids on the block. We, you know, have been just really having fun being aggressive and getting out there and expanding. You know, we know that uh, the community of TVC collector, uh, collectors is large. It's diverse. It's multi-generational. And, you know, we all have incredibly deep roots in our you know childhoods and even our personalities in some cases uh, when it comes to collecting. So our goal was to create a fun space for three and three quarter inch collectors to get their photography, their customs, their thoughts, whatever out there with other like-minded folks. Uh, very similar to what John Miko is doing with the Facebook group. Um, but we saw so many groups for six inch figures on social media uh, that we felt it was long overdue for the vintage collection uh, and collectors of the quote unquote heritage scale to be able to have a social media presence, you know, on Instagram and, and, you know, very visual medium and show that there's viability in the toy photography, even and all that. And just the incredible work that people are putting out there with these figures. Um, You know, we had the idea for uh, this tournament actually way back in September. Uh, I, uh, you know, we tested out some fan engagement stuff by doing some fan votes, uh, fan vote Fridays that we'd have people submit their top five wants uh, under a certain theme, be it like Jedi or Sith, I think were the two that we did. Um, And then John and I, uh, John Linquist, are the vintage concepts. uh, He makes great card mock-ups. So he would make card mock-ups after I combed through all the submissions and tallied up the most requested figures. So then we'd have, you know, a post with mocked like you know mock-up of uh mock-up cards of those characters that don't exist in tvc but that won the quote-unquote uh-huh. fan vote and then having a fun discussion with everybody in the comments and in you know in our private message groups and everything chatting about what we want to see and things became very apparent that there were a lot of things repeating over and over and over again uh you know as the idea evolved we figured Another part of our mission with the SWTVC stuff was not only highlighting the vintage collection figures and collectors, but providing informative pieces and like little history lessons about TVC and like, you know, the history of Kenner vintage along with pretty much everything in between Kenner to now, uh, you know, uh-huh. with uh, John Linquist being so, you know, just a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to collecting. We've been able to put together incredible stuff like um, balance the scales we did for a while, which was uh, look at looking at figures that were represented in things like Black Series or other scales, but not represented in the modern super articulated three and three quarter inch line. Um, we then followed that up with the Finish the 96 series, uh, which is where uh, we went through and put together, you know, slides and everything and in-depth discussion pieces and de- uh, comments or uh, captions, that's the word I'm looking for, of, you know, which original 96 Kenner characters 
aren't present in the modern TVC line and, you know, where we stand with it currently and some things we could ask Hasbro for as a priority. So this segued into January. Sorry for the long-winded rant on this one, but, uh, oh, not at all. you know, uh, as January, uh, actually January 1st this year, we launched on Instagram and uh, with uh, John Miko's blessing over in the Facebook group and his help, uh, we asked folks to submit a ranked top 25 list of their personal TVC wants. Um, we gave out extra entry slots even to win a brand new Millennium Falcon uh, Smuggler's Run uh, for those who submitted lists. We get, yeah, it, we just went hard and we're asking uh, to get as much data as we possibly could. So we got a lot of great info. Um, I think a couple hundred people submitted top 25 lists. And uh, if any anybody out there is decent at math, that's quite a, quite a few things to comb through. Uh, so we used all the lists to calculate the most requested figures. Uh, you know, if a figure was number one on someone's top 25, that was worth 25 points. If they were number uh, 25 on someone's list, that was worth one point. Uh, so we went through and uh, we were able to place the top 64 most like with the most points, the most repeating. Uh, and so we then were able to take the top 64 and place them onto like a uh, tournament bracket. Uh, similar to like the March Madness that they do for uh, NCAA uh, college basketball uh, tournaments, which is my mom turned me on to that when I was a kid. So thanks, mom, for not only enabling my Star <laughs> Wars love, but uh, teaching me a thing or two about them sports. Uh, you know, we uh, went through and everything was seeded uh, and it was put on the bracket according to the seed. So I need to stress this very much because we've had some comments uh, about it. And I mentioned it on uh, Boss Bounty and our podcast as well as some of these matchups that you will see on the bracket uh, seem a little unfair, a little weird, uh, you know, hard to decide. Uh, if you're mad at any of those or if you're sad any figure lost or if you're confused about it, just know that we didn't make a single choice of who was matched up who. It was purely mathematical. It was just the numbers that dictated where everybody landed on the bracket. Um, uh -huh. So, yeah, uh, our goal was really just to find a way to amplify the community voice uh, from as big a sample size as we could in a fun and interesting way uh, to kind of foster discussion. Like whether we talked about the vintage collection being a conversation, we wanted to foster that and showcase the incredibly diverse collecting base, uh, the different wants and the needs that we all have, be it background characters, skiff guards, cantina aliens, ST figures, uh, droids, whatever. Uh, one thing was apparent that, you know, looking at the current offerings of the vintage collection, all of us are being underserved. So our mission is to really just bring more awareness to the fact that we want not only more TVC, but we want more new TVC, that the customer base is there. Uh, you know, we may disagree on right. many things as individuals, but it's, I think I mentioned earlier, it's nice to sometimes come together around one thing so the messaging is semi-clear. So at worst, Hasbro has now seen a list of 64 characters that <laughs> we all really would like to see in one form or another. So the bracket's not a would you rather, it's more of a yes, we want all these figures. What figures are you prioritizing and what figures are the community mm -hmm. in general prioritizing in terms of wants? So that's about yeah. it. Nice. I love that. Um, and that's actually really scientific, like the way that you guys structured that. Thank you. It took quite yeah. a while. No, it is. Like you said, it's based based on math and it's, you know, there's, there's a metric here that you're, um, an algorithm to it. You know, it's, it's not just, you know, polling people or just asking them you know i mean there's there's actually you know math behind it so that's really cool like i think that's 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 uh 
you know, it's, it's the right way to do it. So yeah, no, that's that's a lot of work. Like you're saying, though, a lot of work. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to overstate the importance of any of it, and saying that we, I wouldn't dare say that we represent the entire community. But it's, you know, we're working with what we have, uh, which is an ever growing and incredibly supportive sample size, uh, and you know, and working with yeah. really cool folks, and hopefully, as we move forward, we can do this again next year and have, you know, even more participation, so we can get even more. Uh, clear looks into the collector wants like the community wants as a whole that we can again kind of just nudge nudge wink wink hey Hasbro here's a little fun thing that they put together of a list of things that they just won't shut up about Uh, maybe we should make some of those yeah no I hope that they do and it'll be interesting to see you know I mean a lot of the time they plan these lines out you know 12 months to 18 months in advance and you know, so so a couple of years from now, it'll just be interesting to see if, you know, how many of these actually come to fruition. And it'd be really cool if they do. Well, here's the encouraging thing. We did have to, based on things that are heavily rumored, you know, wink again, and things that are, you know, that have been announced, uh, we did have to disqualify some figures from making the bracket that otherwise would have because they are coming. Uh, you know, Bespin Lando was in the top 25 once. Uh, Clone Wars Season 7 Ahsoka and Maul were both in the top, I think they were definitely in the top 25. They may have been in the top 10. Uh, and so those things are coming. So it's nice to see that there is a part of Hasbro and the community that seems to overlap and be on the same wavelength when it comes to, you know, what new figures should they make. But it gets mm. easily overshadowed by how few new figures we get and then the right. the, the dearth of uh, the repacks that we wonder about. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think I'm going to throw something on YouTube. I think I'm just going to ask, like, it's not going to be anything near as scientific as what you're doing here, <laughs> but we'll just ask what vintage, what one vintage collection figure do you want? And we'll just see how many responses we get to that. Okay. I think that'd be an interesting thing to look at. Oh, Definitely. I can tell you Um, that the top 25, so on the bracket, Bo-Katan is easily the number one seed. She had hundreds of more points at the end of the counting up all of the the uh, submitted 25 lists. She was clearly the most wanted figure from everyone, from Facebook, from Instagram, all collectors, even people that had sequel stuff, people that had OT only. Bo-Katan was on so many lists. And, nice. you know, she's a character that we've never had in three and three quarter inch, yeah. but she's a 12 or 13 year old character now. And, you know, they, they're, they're, there's even a Mission Fleet figure of her coming before a vintage yeah. collection figure. Uh, the Black Series got a really nice one. So the sculpt exists. Uh, it's, you know, can we yeah. maybe oh, see yeah. the um, tool one up for three and three quarter inch? I hope so, especially with how popular she is. Yeah, I've long thought it, it's it's been it's just so astounding that they've never represented her in three and three quarter. I mean, you know, she was a pretty big player in the Clone Wars, you know, and yeah. and it just never happened. So then she was in Rebels, and now she's in Mando. So I mean, I feel like you know, it's probably a pretty good chance we'll see something eventually. It's just oh yeah, it, it's just kind of crazy that after all this time, you know, she still hasn't been done in that scale. Oh, agreed. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not surprised at all that she's on all these lists. She would totally be on my list as well. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that explanation of how you guys uh, formulated these brackets and these polls and um, really interesting stuff. So uh, where can our listeners go if they want to participate in uh, in all of this? So uh, we do have a website that's still kind of under construction, but our team member Carlo has just been 
busting his tail putting together this website for us slowly but surely. Uh, you can go to swtvc.net, and I think just even on the front page, there's a link to uh, there's a thumbnail and the link to the bracket, uh, the March Madness bracket. It's got the 64 on it, and it's blank then for you to fill out uh, of the matchups, which figures you want to see advance to a round of 32, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, uh, so on. Um, just kind of whittle it down and to vote on that, uh, to kind of, uh, vote on your choices, not kind of to exactly vote on your choices, go to, uh, our Instagram, which is at SWTVC. And each day, uh, there are four matchups that we put, uh, in the stories. So feel free to go vote in there. Uh, we post them up every, yeah, I think every morning the four matchups go. And then also every morning, uh, in the Vintage Collection Facebook group, uh, John Miko has put in, uh, been putting up polls as well. So there's two places to vote. Okay. Uh, so make your voices heard if you would like. Yeah, absolutely. Super important. And we'll put links to uh, to all these locations in our show notes. Um, so Evan, anything else you want to touch on? Anything else you want to bring up? Oh, man, so many things. Uh, you know, if, if, any, <laughs> if anyone hasn't already, check out the uh, SWTVC podcast. It's, uh, it's no The Vintage Collection podcast, but we, uh, we have fun over there. We've had some good guests, and, uh, you know, it's kind of a labor of love. You know how that goes, Victoria. Uh, you know, editing together hours and hours uh, just oh, for yeah. uh, a podcast about toys and it, it's fun, but uh, so that's been that's been great. We've got a uh, we've got episodes kind of recapping March Madness uh, coming out at the time this episode's coming out. There should be one about round one and the winners of the bracket so far, uh, where we chatted with John Miko uh, about kind of some of that stuff going on, and we had to apologize that not everybody wanted Velkin Taziri as bad as he did, and also Victoria. I'm sorry, the Tonica <laughs> sisters also lost uh, their matchup, Womp. but. That's impressive that the Tonica sisters and Velkin Taziri are still on the radar of the top 64 of the entire community. I mean, not the entire community, but what we perceive to be the sample size of the community. So I, yeah. I think that's huge. Um, that, that, that is huge. Yeah. So anyway, you can find us on SWTVC on Instagram. Um, you can find me as mile high ground on Instagram, uh, but I'm not as interesting. I just, you know, post some behind the scenes stuff and, occasionally figure photography or pictures of, of course you are yeah yeah <laughs> but uh that kind of stuff but swtvc you can go and at our website too there's links to it um our finish the 96 campaigns that i mentioned earlier our um uh, balance the scales posts so if you want to look at those before you fill out a bracket it kind of gives you a feeling of what's out there what exists already maybe if you want to vote strategically or if there's something that is glaringly missing that's never been represented before you'll be able to kind of have more of a feel for it Sounds good. Sounds good. So yeah, thanks for sharing all that. You know, we'll have all the information in the show notes. And uh, let me ask you one more thing. Yeah. So um, uh, regarding the latest uh, vintage collection wave, yes, uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording about, you know, these new characters that we have these new figures. Um, so I just want to know what it would curious. What is your favorite figure in this latest vintage collection wave? I so I feel bad for grief Karga because that figure is incredible. But he's in a wave with this new Boba Fett. <laughs> this new Boba Fett is absolutely masterful. I, I honestly, I don't know if it's the recency bias, but I have no issue saying that I think it might be the best three and three quarter inch figure Hasbro has ever made. The detailing oh, on wow. it is 
incredible. The the pain apps are just mind blowing. Where it's like, oh, so maybe that's where some of the Razor Crest money went was into this awesome Boba Fett. Uh, <laughs> it's just you know deep cut joints where the the range of motion is incredible. Uh, I I can't get over how good that figure is, and I, that's a shame that you know we'll never. We'll never uh, see it at my target, and also, uh, although if we do, maybe it'll be the orange card variant. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> the mythical orange card Boba. Yeah. I, I, I'm at least glad that they have the 96 as a priority, and I'm glad that a retailer, big box retailer, thought it was interesting enough that they should attempt to carry it. We'll see how that goes tomorrow morning, yeah. as of the time of recording, uh, if we actually get our pre-orders. But whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I think. You know, with Ahsoka and Maul especially, and then, you know, the rumors of a Return of the Jedi Palpatine, that this is a good year. And then I'll just say that if anyone goes to my Instagram and looks at my bracket, there's a very obvious Final Four contender that is eliminated pretty early on on my bracket. And I'll just say that I eliminated him because I have a wink, wink, pretty good feeling about him (laughs) in the next, you know, 10 months. Nice. Nice. That's that's awesome to hear. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, let's see what happens. You know, uh, they have the numbers, they have the data. Star Wars has been selling really did really well last year. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you said, the Razor Crest was was a huge success. And yeah, I think, you know, if nothing else, I think they have to at least acknowledge that the excitement around the vintage collection and, you know, the fans are there, you know, the audience is there, the market's there. Uh, it's just a matter of figuring out these distribution woes in order to actually fulfill those orders and get these figures in people's hands. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Evan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on to the Vintage Collection podcast. Thank and, you. And uh, again, we'll put your links in our show notes so that our listeners can go and check you out. Perfect. I really appreciate it, Victoria. You're awesome. You're one of the people I hold in an incredibly high esteem in this community. You know, not to be a total, you know, butt kisser, but I just absolutely am <laughs> floored that I get to be able to have casual chats with folks such as yourself and be able to engage with this community in a, in a more meaningful way that I've always kind of wanted to do. Oh, that's too kind. Well, happy to be able to talk to you about this stuff. I mean, obviously, you know, you're passionate about it, too. And uh, you're very well spoken about it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's that's what we need. So, you know, awesome stuff. Thank you again for coming. on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Vintage Collection podcast. For the latest developments, be sure to visit BanthaSkull.com and follow our contributors via the links in our show notes. You can follow Victoria's Cantina on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. For more Star Wars toy collecting content, subscribe to the Victoria's Cantina YouTube channel and listen to the Cantina Chatter podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can spare a moment or two, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word about the show. No matter where you're listening out in the galaxy, I'd like to thank you once again for tuning in to the Vintage Collection Podcast. Collect them all, and may the force be with you.